0: Welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast from Switch to Manual, and I'm Antonio. And welcome to episode 79 for the middle of August. I think we're in August. Man, the summer's going fast. This year's going fast. So yeah. Uh, and today I have uh, a repeat uh, guest. From uh, when were you on? Read February. I think February. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, uh, Reed means uh, friend and co coworker. Uh, decided. Uh, I asked him if he would like to join me in talking about color again. We said we would do a follow up, and uh, I think I think we need to make this an ongoing thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's
1: it's a it's a broad
0: spectrum that can just go on forever. Uh, is that a pun? A bet? Ba- <laughs> uh, yes, <Sorry. laughs>
1: an accidental pun. <laughs>
0: yes a broad spectrum of color yeah i just wanted to talk uh i want to talk about color again we want to um i think we touched on a uh, a bunch of stuff when we when when i first had you on and we had i had really good um uh, feedback from the you know from the listeners that that they liked you on and i was well, really excited thing. by that so for sure yeah. So thanks for coming on again. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't even know where to start, but I, I decided to call this this episode "Colorful Language." But we will keep it PG. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we will talk color, and the, my initial idea was to talk to continue talking about the the language of color and how um, we use color to convey meaning and emotion and whatnot. But then when I thought to have you on read is because you're you know you're you're coming from the the motion side of things more right more often i would say right 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 and uh i i thought let's let's combine the two let's talk about movies and color and combine that with photography and color because the two are interconnected and we're certainly you know what you what you do in film and motion definitely translates to photography, um, but sure. you have a few you know more tools in, in, in film and video than we do well no, not a few more tools it's just, it's just you approach it differently but right uh, right uh, uh, so um what do we you know let's let's go into uh sort of the language of color right let's Let's talk about uh, why are you going to try to use color uh, as a language? And let's, let's start with film. Why, why would you want to do that?
1: Well, color is one of those uh, <clears throat> things we were talking about a little bit earlier that the uh, there's a philosophy behind it. And the philosophy is kind of found in language. And in the English language, we have a lot of different words that we can use to explain things. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's things we can't really convey without a different medium. And that's where art in general comes in. But uh, color is just a subset of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, color really does paint the mood, whether you're talking about a still image or a uh, moving image, uh, the color of something will tell you a lot about what's going on, as well as even in black and white, You know, certain elements of the way you adjust your contrast or whatever you're doing, that still helps tell the story that
0: you're trying to tell. Right, right, and uh, let me try to figure this out a little bit. Try to ask you something. <laughs> and sure. um, people, you know, uh, we we see color used as a language in movies, right? Right. And uh, for instance, when you we were going through the the show notes together, you had a you had a few examples of some some films where the the color palettes were very specific. And and I'll just go yes. through the list quickly. It was only th- three movies that you wrote down. Right. Uh, Lost in Translation, which is – that's – what's her name's movie, right? Uh, Sofia Coppola. Sofia Coppola. Yeah. Uh, Matrix and the uh, Lord of the Rings series. Let's stick with Lord of the Rings and not the – not hot. No, sure, sure. <laughs> Sorry. Both, a,
1: I both, both were approached similarly, though, which they, is – It's good. good. We can talk about. We can just talk about one, and it means the same for the other, pretty much. Yeah,
0: yeah, Uh yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's 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 go into about Lost in Translation, and and I only saw it once, and so I you'll you'll have to remind me like why you brought that up as as a um a thing about color language. I bring
1: this movie up to. A lot of people for a lot of reasons it's pretty much my favorite movie and when i was younger i was borderline obsessed with the movie
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh it was just it was it's the reason i actually got into filmmaking like when i saw that movie i was like ah, that's what i want to do with that's my life powerful It's a know? powerful yeah, thing it yeah,
0: yeah
1: it is and uh the every aspect of it was just so aesthetically perfect to me that i just it just blew my mind and uh the reason I brought it up for this is because the uh, the setting of that movie is in Tokyo, Japan, and that, coupled with the fact that the movie was shot on film, you're, the way colors work on film is a little different than digital. Mm-hmm. But it has this just really photographic element to it, the whole movie, everything. And that's because of uh, Lance Accord, who is the director of photography, he and Sofia Coppola um, – spent a lot of time talking about the movie before they made it and they were kind of wanting to base certain shots in the movie around some Polaroids that Sophia had taken when she was young on a trip in in Tokyo. Yeah. So a lot of it has a really photographic a photographic thing going on photographic composition. And I really loved that a lot, but Tokyo, as you probably know, is a incredibly colorful Mm -hmm. landscape. I mean, it's just lights and colors and sounds and just sensory overload, you know, type of landscape.
0: Yeah. Someday I want to go. I definitely.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Me too. But the, uh, the way that it's, it plays out in the movie, both the main characters are kind of, they're kind of depressed and melancholy, you know, they're kind of, just they feel alienated, even mm. though they're surrounded by all this stimuli. That's almost making them even more alienated. And I thought the movie brilliantly used those colors like that to enhance that kind of sensation that was that was going on throughout the film.
0: And 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 you wrote sorry to interrupt, but uh, yeah. you wrote in the notes pastels used for depressive, melancholy moods. And, you know, pastel colors usually to me don't necessarily reflect depression right well you know it's like i think of pastels and i think of light colors uh less saturated colors and i i don't necessarily think of depression but right tell me tell me about that a little. so
1: it's 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 really a weird thing to explain and which is one of the reasons why i love the movie so much is because it's there's just so much depth in the production of the film to me that I can just go on for hours about it. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, yeah, a lot of the uh, the set design and the makeup and wardrobe uses these really soft light like blues and pinks and really kind of pastel colors. But the whole movie is kind of <clears throat> it's really natural light. There's not a lot of uh, obviously. Stage lighting going on. I think right. uh, Lance Accord actually used predominantly uh, natural light throughout the whole movie. and really? a lot That of,
0: must have been hard.
1: It must have been really hard. Huh. And especially on film, I mean, which just proves how much he knows about film and cameras, which is amazing to me, too. But uh, a lot of the Japanese crew that was working on that were telling him he was crazy basically <laughs> when he was setting up shots and they were like, where are we putting these lights? He's like, no, we're not using lights. And they were like, there's no way you can do this without using lights. And he was like, no, I trust me. I got, I got
0: it.
1: <laughs> you know? So he had to actually convince the dad. Really? Yeah. Because they yeah. just didn't but, think it would work, you know, but he yeah, made they it wanted
0: work. to work too. Right. Right. <laughs> we don't want to just stand around here. We want to set up lights. <laughs> right. right. Um, but,
1: uh, yeah. So he, that natural light made everything, uh, it added a darkness to it, uh-huh. which is interesting, too, because you have these pastel colors in a dark environment. And it makes these colors just pop, just just enough to, like, really be noticeable if you're, you know, really looking at the analyzing the color of it. Uh-huh. But if you're not, it just it just looks like a really pretty, aesthetically pleasing image
0: is- and is that is that contradicting the the story, though, in some sense, because or, or am I being wrong about pastels like uh, or at least? In, no, uh, no, opinion. no.
1: I think, you know, I mean, uh, I've done a lot of color work for uh, wedding videos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And almost always, you know, you're not going to be doing a really high contrasty, uh, super bold look on wedding videos most of the time. It's going right. to usually be real soft color palette and real, you know, mellow you know, not abrasive at all to look at.
0: Right. And I would say that I would say the same thing with still photographs. When I rarely see very, uh, over the top color, bright, contrasty, you know, wedding shots. I mean, it doesn't mean that they don't exist. There there are probably photographers and, and, and videographers who have a style that will do that and people hire them for that. But I would say like the mean, you know, would be like softer, you know, lots of light and, you know, it just adds to the feeling of, you know, well, wedding pictures like the possibility and the pleasure of it and, right. and the future and stuff like that. And so in this movie you're saying they're using pastel y colors, maybe not as you know, mixed with dark light rather than mixed with light light. If right. That makes any sense. I don't know if right. dark light, but Right, what, right. It's mixed with, with kind of dark light. Which yeah.
1: makes it which makes it just a really unique thing because usually when you see kind of darker images, you see a lot more bolder punches of color right but these have just really subtle hints of these like pinks and blues the large portion of that movie is very blue just in look and i think that that kind of gives because a lot of th- they're both suffering insomnia and they're up late at night you know what night light has kind of a blue hue to it so a lot of the shots uh are really blue looking as it is so this but,
0: just adding on top of the, the it's giving us that uh, an extra bit of that feeling right uh, with the with the blues okay yeah. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Um,
1: yeah, it's just such a beautiful movie. I mean, if you haven't seen it, you've got to see that movie. Because I agree. It's I saw it,
0: I saw it once a while back, and 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 was surprised by it just because I, you know, I didn't realize how good of a director she was. Uh, right. And uh, I need to watch it again because if, you know you often when you watch a movie for the first time, you're watching it for the story. Right. And you're not or at least for me I'm not necessarily looking at all the filmmaking aspects. I mean I try to, but like, you know, it, there's a lot to absorb when you're watching a film for the first time. Right. When you go right. back the second time, you can already, you already know the story, so you can start looking at things like like the colors and the light and stuff like that a little bit easier, so. Right. Uh, always good to watch films multiple times. I
1: think. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. you always miss something the first time.
0: Yeah. So, Loss in Translation pastels equal depression but that's in combination with the light and the combination with the type of photography you're doing is saying natural lighting is actually perhaps adding to that. So it's, it's a, it's a combination of things, but the color is making, is helping that across. Right. It's giving you language. Right. All right. Um, Next one was, and this one I could talk about really is the matrix. Right. Oh yeah. So you wrote color contrast of green and blue. And that one was a little bit, you know, I love the Matrix, the first movie. I'm not necessarily too key, too keen on the other two films that came after it. The first
1: one was everybody's favorite. The first I mean, one was
0: everybody's favorite. It, it it could have just been like a film unto itself and done. You know, right. Uh, I do think there was some really good photography in the other two sequels. I mean, I'll I'll I will say that there was some nice. As with on.
1: most trilogies, too, you make the first one, and then the studio trusts you because you made a really great movie, and then they give you a bunch of money yeah. <laughs> to make the other two movies. You That's know. what happened I
0: mean. to George Miller on on the, on the Mad Max and the Road Warrior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I won't even count it Mad Max. Mad Max was uh, – I mean, it was a good film. But it was kind of an obscure film, and it was like an oh, art right. house film. But then when right. Road Warrior came out – and everybody's like, whoa, right? And they're like, right. okay, well, let's make Thunderdome and whatever else came after them. Like, i want to kill me.
1: <laughs> right, you know? right. But, I liked all the Matrix movies, uh, but the first one is definitely my favorite. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I didn't, I actually didn't like the second one. I, if I had to go in order, it'd be the first one, the third one, and the second one. The second one to me was the weakest of the three. Um But I, you know, they're fun to watch. But the first one has got, set sort of a standard you know we had that bullet time photography oh yeah yeah uh, it broke
1: a lot of barriers with tech, technological you know visual effects
0: right. stuff and if anybody doesn't know what that is it's it's they they the the filmmakers created um you know these sh- when they have the shots of neo or um trinity doing some you know incredible action they actually created a um, 360 uh, degree um set of cameras uh, still cameras, which took shots of them as they were doing this action, and they called it bullet time. Uh, and then they, you know, when you see the Matrix and you see those shots where the camera looks like it's spinning around while the people are sort of, sort of still, uh, that was that effect. So that was the first time that was ever done, and this is pre- computer uh, not CGI, right? It was pre- CGI, I don't know, not really, but Yeah,
1: it wasn't pre-CGI, but they it was yeah, something they,
0: pre-something. I mean, it, yeah. this was never done before.
1: They couldn't make a camera float around in 3D space like a, you know, animated camera right, did that, right, you right. know, before that. Yeah. So they had to get creative.
0: Yeah, and and of course, I'm sure most people who are listening to this have probably seen that movie and the movie goes back and forth between being in the Matrix, which is the 3D I mean, the um, the machines version of our world, the simulation, uh, the simulation and and then going back into what the real world is. And and part of what they do in that is they change the color palette between the two worlds. Yes. So why don't you describe a little bit about that, what you think that is?
1: Well, that was just. To me, that was a really genius thing for them to do because people that watched that movie when it came out, I don't think anybody really noticed that. They noticed, it, right. they noticed that it had a really cool stylized look, but they couldn't place what was really going on. And a lot of people started to notice the green and be like, OK, so the Matrix has got that green hue mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. it. you know. But a lot of people didn't really notice that uh, back on Zion or in the real world, it was all a very blue hue. You know, and it was just easier to pick up on the green because it has that, uh, that like computer code rain. You know, they had primed that color palette in the trailers before. Right. Right. You know, right. the movie came out. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 not it's a weird color green too. Partially, it's the brighter parts are like that computer code green, but the the less uh, saturated parts are kind of the uh, money green is what right, I call like it. Like a yeah, you know?
0: yeah, muted muted kind of green.
1: And that just adds to the whole uh, idea of corruption going on in the Matrix and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, to me, that that color illustrated so many different aspects of what was happening. And that was just subconsciously going on in your mind while you were watching it, you know.
0: Yeah. And what's funny about that, because I often associate green uh, and I think green generally is associated with nature, and right, cleanliness and the environment, and yes, right. it is. It is associated with money as well. At least in, in uh, I was going to say in Western culture, maybe more, like, you know, North America culture. But, right. I mean, I I can't speak for other cultures. Does green represent money? in you know, uh, you know, uh, India or, or, or right. China. I don't know that, but right. here it does. And you're right. That subtle. I didn't even realize that the. The green would also be representing that, and even like a corruption or a, 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 like a toxicness. You yeah, know?
1: yeah, yeah. And they're you know like it's the rogue computer government you know type of scenario that's taking over. And green, a lot of times we associate with government too, as far as spending money goes. Yeah, <laughs> but <yeah. laughs> you know that's still a that's still a color that sometimes we associate with the government, quote unquote, you right. know, or the agents. So having that in there was just really a special part of that movie that was stylistically not really done to that level before.
0: Yeah. And it's the other thing that's interesting is that here we have a color that it, it can represent almost an opposite. Right. So right. I'm thinking environment and green and grass and something that you're sort of attracted to and, and human eyes are actually a little bit more, um, uh, sensitive to the color green right uh and and there's a positive part of that and then something like in the matrix and uh think of i'm blanking on another movie but there's other movie that has that kind of palette uh is the exact opposite and right so how can we have the same color have almost opposite meanings what do you think about that
1: well that's i think a lot where the story comes in okay you know and kind of how you were how you're primed into the environment that you're watching or looking at in a picture, even you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's interesting because, like I said, when the trailers were out for The Matrix, I I had at that point I had never been so hyped up over a movie. Like I was just <laughs> like, this is going to be the best movie of all time. Like I'm so excited because it just had all the stuff I wanted. It had explosions and guns and action and it, it was you know, like sci-fi a, i mean yeah. it was everything
0: it was like a uh you know to geek out for a second here uh it was like waiting for that william gibson novel to come out into a film uh, neuromancer right uh which i think did in i can't remember if, or i i can't remember if it did or not but i i don't remember that actually being something but i remember neuromancer and, and the whole world that he was describing and when I saw The Matrix, I don't remember getting – I don't remember seeing the previews of it. But I remember when I saw the movie, I was like, this is what, like, you know, the um, neuromancer kind of thing should have been like, you know. Uh, right. The way the world was described and what was going on. Um, but what's interesting is I was reading some of the – as I was putting in the show notes, I was reading some of, like, the the language of colors and what do colors mean. And there's a lot of these, like, uh, you know, like I put in uh, an MIT um, – uh, discussion about color and the language of color, and I, I my eyes crossed when I started reading. I was like, oh yeah, I, was I mean like, there's there's so
1: much science behind color.
0: There is, but one of the things they were talking about was like the the, I, the gist was uh, like the blues and the greens compared to the reds and the oranges, and right. how the blues and the greens also kind of somehow represent background, and hmm. and the reds and the oranges represent stuff that's more foreground, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm distilling this and I'm probably getting it wrong but that the gist of that kind of made sense and uh, you know right. the first thing that popped in my head is like yes, yeah, someone's standing in a field right and someone's standing in a field and you've got grass in the background and you've got a sky in the background but the person in the foreground is you know reddish more earthy colors Right. and, right. and, and so do we naturally think of uh, the blues and the greens as something distant and then now that you're is we're talking about matrix is when we go into the matrix world where we're having that green tone. I'm wondering if that means that we're like a a step separated from that world, that it's something far away or something that needs to be far away from us that we don't need close. I don't know. I'm just sort of making Mm -hmm. it up. Yeah, no,
1: that's an interesting, that's an interesting point. Uh, you know, we don't know what exactly the Wachowskis were planning, but they put so much planning into that movie. You yeah. know, I wouldn't be surprised if they had talked to people about that and their, their set designers and everything. Be like, this is very – this needs to look like this and it can't look any other way, you know?
0: Yeah, and, and that movie, the, the color work on that must have been very difficult.
1: Uh, it was one of the first times that they were doing a complete digital color.
0: Really? Okay.
1: Coincidentally, also Lord of the Rings, coincidentally the same person, Peter Doyle, was doing it.
0: Oh, and as we move into the next one, it's <laughs> uh, a yeah. Lord of the Rings. Really, the same, the same mm-hmm. color? Same, same
1: uh, color colorist. technician. Color technician,
0: yeah. colorist, yeah. Uh,
1: so so before that, they okay. were uh, doing a lot of, everything was a color timer, like credits in movies said color timer. Some mm-hmm. of them said colorist, DIT, you know. But uh, mostly, it was people working with film that were mm-hmm. actually doing the color. But uh, yeah, they both of those movies paid a lot of money to have technology made <laughs> to, yeah, do well, to do what they
0: wanted Yeah, you
1: know. And uh,
0: but that's interesting. You know, the, the part that's really cur- well, as you're saying this, I'm thinking if there's that much money involved, then the color is incredibly important.
1: Right. To right. And they the knew image. that it. They knew both of those movies' directors, the Wachowskis, and Peter Jackson knew that their movies had to be different than anything else that had ever happened. Uh You know, they knew that it had to have be stylistically something just, uh, you know, jaw dropping, unbelievable.
0: And it worked. I mean, it was, and it worked. Yeah, yeah. it really worked. (laughs) You know,
1: they, they, they make more money than I'm ever going to make in my entire (laughs) life. So,
0: you know, yeah, that film though, what was, I mean, it was so good was everything came together. I mean, there's so, I mean, again, I know we're, is a photography podcast but i'm talking film i don't care it's my show i can (laughs) but there's so few movies that i come out and say that was a film like that had every aspect of a film in it you know right here we go we got a little siren yeah well i you know this is new york right so i get to i get to live on the street here (laughs) um you know the the acting was good, the story was good, the the um, the action was good, the the way it looked was was beyond like what you're saying was beyond anything we've seen before, and I remember coming out of it and saying whoa, and then the music, you know, like oh, God, especially yeah. at the end, <laughs> listening to uh, uh, Rage of the Machine, you know, yeah, uh, that <laughs> was like I. <laughs> My wife and I were driving. That was driving another the... moment
1: when yeah. I was so fired up in the theater. I was like, "Oh my I god!"
0: <laughs> I know it's like when we're driving now in our car, and I've got a playlist, and and that comes on, we crank it up loud. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's like the car starts going. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know. But anyway, yeah. it's it? But uh, I I do think. You know, if that movie was not colored the way it was, it would not have the same. It, it, you know and it'd be really interesting to see that film prior to the color
1: the ungraded film would be totally interesting i've i've thought about that a lot because sometimes i want to actually take ungraded footage from movies i like just to uh-huh. try you know to try out some techniques oh, on just to like see that.
0: what you could do yeah, yeah
1: right right but uh that's obviously practically impossible to find because they got that <laughs> lock and key pretty well hard.
0: yeah because you don't it's like you know on on uh you know, photography, uh, when someone asks me for my raw files, in fact, just recently, and hopefully, I hope they're not listening to the show, but I won't mention any names. <laughs> someone wants to use some of my pictures uh, for something, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of donating them in a sense. Hopefully, I'll get some money for them, but, but generally, I'm just like, well, what the hell, I'll donate them. And the person was asking for raw files, and I'm like, a couple of things. I'm either like, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Number one, because you don't need them. Right. Right. And the other thing is, like, I am not giving those up because those are not even close to being the finished image. I mean, there is no language. You know, I should say this. There's there's the base story of my picture in the raw file, but there's not the final words, not the final story, because I, I create my images with. You know a certain amount of colors and in, in, in contrast and whatever and that all adds to the, the What I'm trying to express with that's, the. that's
1: that's your art form your art form doesn't stop when you click the camera
0: exactly it Yeah
1: continues into the post-production aspect of it, you know, yeah. and then you have a finished product after that
0: exactly in fact I tell when I when I have my my photography students in my street photography class, and I I like to spend like the last 15 or 20 minutes showing them how I process um, an image and I usually do that on my phone uh, and they're like, Are you do it on your phone. I'm like, yeah, it's just because I'm, I'm tired of sitting in front of the computer, so I do it on my yeah. phone. But uh, I, I, I always emphasize to them that the the final picture, you know, doesn't have to end when you take the shutter. You know, when you click the right. shutter, it's like you've got many opportunities to continue to try to express what you're trying to express with the photograph that you just took. And right. processing is is part of that. You know, so you know, embrace that, and there's nothing wrong. You know, and people would say, I mean, you're not doing you know journalism or something like that. If you're not doing journalism, where journalism generally is, you take the shot and you hand it off, right? And then you
1: hand it off, right? Because
0: you're not trying to manipulate. But if you're trying to do anything else, like an art form, and part of what we do is try to express ourselves, and 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 coloring is part of that. So anyway, right. Let's jump to uh, now. You got Lord of the Rings, right? Oh so yeah. You got you wrote making colors look real but otherworldly. Yes. this? I know we we did talk about. I think we talked about The Hobbit last time, so let's put that aside. Does this also okay. apply to Lord of the Rings?
1: This absolutely applies okay. to Lord of the Rings, and Lord of the Rings even more so because it's way earlier in history than The Hobbit.
0: Right, uh, in, in, in terms of being made. It, in terms of being made, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It,
1: was, it was amazing that it looked the way it did at the time that it came out. When was that, like 2001
0: yeah, maybe? Early, yeah, it was like early. That? Yeah, wow.
1: Yeah, it, I'm, I mean, it just mind-boggling the colors in that movie
0: so and, tell me uh, what what's mind-boggling to you about them like what was what was oh.
1: <laughs> well this was pathology was there to do image masks and to have like tracking nodes and stuff like that on mm-hmm. images like they were basically going through frame by frame uh, really? with that kind of really? stuff not you know i mean static yeah. shots are one thing but move movement shots when they're protecting skin tones while they have a lot of movement going on. I mean, it's, you know, it was a big deal, what they were doing. And it just blows my mind that the film image could have turned into what it turned in turned into because like the Shire, for instance, is a perfect example. Every wide shot you see of this, the Shire is just the green is obviously an otherworldly type of green, right? But it doesn't look it doesn't look unnatural. It looks like that's what, the shire actually looks like you i actually know?
0: thought that's what new zealand looked like
1: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean new zealand is in fact pretty much that right green, it's the shire know, they, yeah. uh yeah i watched some very interesting behind the scenes stuff on them when they were originally looking at uh the shire and some of those wide shots and how they weren't just going to boost up the green but instead they were uh they were taking away uh they were taking away reds, I think, from it.
0: So so explain that a little bit for, for everybody. Like, so, Why would you do one or the other?
1: Uh, all the colors on your color wheel affect all the other ones. Just That's pretty much a general rule to right. keep in okay. mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, when they were taking away some of the reds, what they was doing is taking some of the browns and golds and stuff in the grass out
2: mm-hmm.
1: a little bit. And just making it more green. But when they were playing with it, what they started to do is uh it started to look too unnatural and too green. Mm-hmm. So they started pushing in oranges and reds into the green in the okay. grass. Mm-hmm. And it started all of a sudden the grass just got this like really just bright, vibrant green look. But there's all these other little shades in the grass that just makes it look they were going for making it look like that grass had been there for millennia really? You know? oh okay. yeah so, you know and like a lot of the weeds and stuff were like all supposed to be really overgrown like in the yards and stuff like that or on the paths and everything but a, uh, it's
0: like a that sounds complex yes it is, yes. is, is that and, that, something... and
1: that's just to just to make the grass look a certain way in the first part of the movie
0: <laughs> you, you know could you duplicate that in photoshop yeah i mean yeah. is it would it be hard or would it be like like, no, I don't
1: think I don't think it'd be hard
0: because you could uh, certainly pull out the colors, like in Photoshop. What I would probably use in this, oh, excuse me for being technical for anybody who's listening, but and I don't use Photoshop that often lately, but if I was doing that, I would use uh, like a curve setting, curve, yeah, and then and then pull out some of the the reds using that, you know. Uh. Um,
1: Curves are your friend. Curves, in my curves opinion, are your friend, yeah, I, I really like.
0: Yes, if you can curves. if you can learn to use curves, I would say you know use curves. It's a really right. great way to uh, get rid of color casts or to add nice colors in different places. Um, I've
1: had clients uh, watching me in the color bay before, um, watching me use curves, and they're wondering why I'm not using the using the wheels. They Want well, to see the cool little wheels being <laughs> stand on the, on the my you know color control surface, and I'm like, ah, this shot doesn't really need any of that. You know, I'm just going to try to do some of these uh, adjustments here, but well,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, uh, well, I don't want to go on a side note, let's go back to Lord of the Rings. I was okay, starting to get into a technical thing here, but I don't, mm. don't want to go too crazy on it. Um,
1: we're nerds, it's okay, we're
0: nerds, I know, I know, and I, and I think, uh <laughs> you know maybe i'll do we'll have to do another episode about actual practical coloring. Let's let's put yeah. that on our on our future list to do that yeah, that'd be sure. kind of fun to play around with. But Oh yeah. So Lord of the Rings the, the Shire's doing that um there what are the other scenes? I mean there's Mordor of course which is a lot darker. Uh, so go ahead. There's
1: oh yeah there's there's lots of every scene has a just completely different way they kind of went about designing that's what makes it look the, the universe the tolkien universe looks so expansive is mm-hmm. because every place they were at was just so dramatically different than the place they were previously at
0: okay so you know with that in mind you're you're saying with every scene uh like you were getting established scenes so we have the shire we got the the we got mordor we got um wherever else i'm spacing out the, the mines
1: moria is the one i'm thinking of okay right
0: now. yeah and, and the colors that they're establishing there are, are giving you as a viewer, uh, sort of, a pr- um, subconscious, uh, setting in your mind. Right. Right. Okay. Right. All right. So yeah, continue. I want
1: to, uh, well, so the, in the minds of Moria, um, there's lots of interesting things happening with color and light in the minds of Moria, because when they are in the room, you know, and they have to fight the big, uh, the big troll,
0: right? Right. And the troll comes. Oh, well, they got in. a cave troll.
1: Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, first of all, you have a bunch of actors acting around something that isn't there.
0: Right. Right.
1: And they're just trusting that Peter Jackson will fix it. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
0: Now, those are the behind-the-scenes uh, I want to see. How silly yeah. did that look? Yeah.
1: Oh uh, yeah, but they. Uh, so there's some there's some close-up shots of Legolas and Aragorn
2: mm-hmm.
1: when they're talking. And something that they did that was really interesting is that you know everything in there was real dark and really blue, right? You know, because it's underground, you know, dirty, dark, dingy, you know. But there's a little uh, a little bit of gold light that's hitting their faces,
2: uh-huh.
1: but in this in this environment, that gold light is kind of giving their uh, giving their skin tone just a little bit of like a. Mm, it's it's orange, but there's it's still kind of uh, it's still overtaken by the blue. Right. But it just it makes their faces kind of pop out in a way that's really interesting. And the camera in the shot that I'm thinking of, the camera does a follow focus in between Legolas talking and uh, Aragorn talking, and you see you can kind of see the shift of colors when they go blurry. And just kind of how they all kind of mix in together, yeah. It's just it's just a really cool effect, and it's something so subtle, and nobody's going to notice that at so all. So what is it? But what <laughs> yeah.
0: it's okay if it's so subtle. But they're doing it for a reason, right? Yes. So what's yes. it saying to you? Like, um, and I and I I have to watch that again because I actually never looked at that movie for the color. So I'm really happy to talk to you about it because now I got to go back and watch it. There's um, so many
1: color things happening throughout yeah. that
0: movie. But what is it saying like that one, since you're pointing that scene out? What is that color shift uh what is it telling you?
1: Well, it's it's an <sighs> It's 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 hard to it's hard to explain. I'm putting me on the
0: spot here, right? <laughs> yeah, this is
1: totally on the spot. Yeah. Uh But,
0: but you mentioned it, man. I'm good. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, <laughs> it's just something I thought was it just look it added a look and god, it's just hard to explain. It adds fear into the scene mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they know that this is before the troll they get hit by the trolls and everything when they're talking and uh Gimli's, you know crying over his dead relative right. and everything Gandalf's reading the book. Uh, is this
0: just bef- before after what's his name knocks the 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 chains down
1: yeah this is, this is right
0: after right that. after that okay yeah
1: because yeah, uh aragorn and legos are talking in the scene it's real short and they're just saying we can't stay here we've got to go
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: but uh Wow. Yeah, it just it, it, it almost mm, I don't that whole scene in that room foreshadows what's about to happen in a lot of different ways. Like and you it, know, some stuff's gonna go down. And it does know?
0: some of that with the color, huh? Mm, yes. Wow. You know, I didn't even really realize that the the color could also be a foreshadowing um, uh, technique. You know. And you know,
1: Gandalf's staff that he was using to light the way had a real bright, like white kind of light yeah but at some point i think there's torches in there and there's you know fire adding orange into that blue dark blue area you know mm-hmm. and you see a lot of that in the actor's eyes like it's reflecting in their eyes and that's another really uh important movie tactic is having the actor's eyes do things
0: oh you know? yeah yeah because we're all sort of programmed so to look at eyes yeah
1: right when when we're watching it. So right, the
0: eyes are the, the, you know, to the soul or whatever.
1: And yeah. good actors can act with their eyes. They can tell volumes of stories oh, with just yeah. the in their eyes. Yeah. You know? Oh,
0: can we do it? We can do an episode just about that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Again, it's not, well, it is related to photography. All this yeah. stuff is related. I mean, yeah. what I was, uh, and I can't remember if I said this at the beginning or not, but, but, uh, or we we're talking beforehand, but the movies, in a sense, have an advantage uh, with with color or, or trying to tell the story because you've got in a context, right? right? You've got scenes coming before, you've got scenes coming after. You 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 re- revisit the same place in the movie, and like the Shire, let's say for Lord of the Rings, and it's got a certain color. And when you when you come back to the scene, it's like you don't really have like your brain is like, okay, well this is the this is home and this is where they live and You know, and so it's already built in. But like with a still photograph, you don't have a lot of time to do that. You know, like when you're trying to color something in a picture, you've got to you don't really have the before and you don't have the after. You know, you got to say it all with one still picture. So um, and and related to this, this is now I'm sort of going off in my weird directions here. But I I had jotted down a question that I wanted to ask you uh, and then tie this back into some of the. The stuff to use for um, coloring stills is, you know, I just found an article on Petapixel, uh, and uh, I'll put it in the show notes. And the title of it is "How to Create a Cinematic Lightroom Preset for Landscape Photographs." And you know, I I'm not a landscape shooter, but I was reading it in 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 prep for us talking.
1: Notice how everything uses that word cinematic. Exactly. By the way. That's, well, that's a very important word.
0: That's exactly. Okay. So I wanted to get to that. Uh, and before I get into that question, well, the question would be why did you want to make your images look cinematic? But hold off for a second, sure. because you've heard of uh, Visco, right? V S C O. Yes. Yeah. So when they first came out, and I don't know how long ago it came out, but they were producing presets for Lightroom and for Photoshop that were duplicating film stocks and Mm. hundreds of different film stocks different kodak film stocks i'm sure some of them were uh movie film stocks fuji film stocks whatever uh but they were also like um um you know regular uh, still film stocks but i know there's there's some crossover there right and when you saw a picture that was processed in visco whether it was on their app on the iphone or using the presets in lightroom they were calling this the cinematic look, or at least some of the presets had this cinematic look. And, you know, I'm looking at this story and uh, this uh, tutorial on Petapixel, and it's a, it's a nice shot. It's a landscape. It's in, I think, Australia, and it's a uh, cliffs in and in a, in a, in the sea and stuff like that. And I'm looking at the two different shots, and I'm like, the original looks nice, and the, the redone one looks nicer. But what the heck makes it cinematic? Like can can you explain that to me because I'm like, okay, it you're, you're telling me it looks cinematic and but it's a still picture, so it's not cinematic right oh, right and right. is it just the color that makes it cinematic and what the heck does the color have to do with anything so I'm gonna throw the ball in your court if you've got some thing to say about this, but
1: I, I'm not sure I have really any genius insight into this or anything but <laughs> well we,
0: let's bounce it around a
1: little bit, but we really love to use the word cinematic. For Everybody right. loves to use that word for everything. For when I was shooting weddings uh, back in the day, that was on my website. Your cinematic cinematic web- wedding. You know, your cinematic. Can we have cinematic wedding
0: hamburgers wedding? and can we have uh, cinematic yeah. cars? And
1: I've eaten a cinematic hamburger before. It's delicious. <laughs> no.
0: Was it very wide? Was it was
1: it just, just like- such a delicious, big, giant. No. Was
0: it a 16 by 9 ratio hamburger? <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: yes. Yes. No, it, uh, yeah
0: exactly actually that's not cinematic what's the cinematic ratio two three, oh yeah five, yeah
1: two, two by three, five, 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 five. Two three five, one, five yeah yeah uh
0: but yeah i mean what so i don't know what do you think i mean what, what do you think about this in terms of at least the color like, well what makes that a cinematic picture
1: every single time people have asked me about like LUTs are trying to find LUTs or something. They, they're not going to buy the LUTs. They're not going to give their money to the LUTs and say, hey, this is a wedding LUT package. They're going to give it to the one that says cinematic wedding LUT right.
0: package. So let's let's just explain what, uh, in case nobody listened to our first episode, what a LUT is, L-U-T.
1: LUT is called a, uh, stands for lookup table. And it is just basically the color information for what you're doing so if you have like something that's just an easy drag and drop overlay over an image like your instagram filters those are luts
0: okay okay good all right yeah cool
1: so uh but yeah when people are getting into the quote cinematic luts they're wanting you know special looks and a lot of them they have looks actually based off of the movies that they're trying to emulate
0: so we have a matrix lut (laughs) or a matrix i've uh, I've
1: seen a matrix lut before i'm sure uh yeah, and I've seen uh, there's, you know, the teal and orange thing that I talked about hating last episode <laughs> was on. Uh, you know, they have got the Mad Max LUT, you know, or whatever, or they uh-huh. have like a Wes Anderson LUT. Uh, I've seen Wes Anderson LUT packages, which are very interesting, too. It's like I don't know how they can even title. But I, I back. can't
0: imagine that these, these um, you know, just dragging and dropping a preset color thing onto your image is going to make your image look like a Wes Anderson film or look like uh, The Matrix. I mean, right. I, I would when think there's a lot done, more involved in fil- that. Yeah, when it's all
1: said and done, it's just a filter. And the way I look at LUTs as a colorist is a LUT, if you're in a really big hurry, a LUT can be a great starting point. Mm-hmm. You still have stuff to do after you apply that LUT.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but certain LUTs, uh, like the ones that come in Final Cut, Uh, those are kind of designed for people who are editing a Final Cut. They need to make Final Cut or their project look like something quickly. So Mm -hmm. they just drag and drop, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever those LUTs that they've got are. And they've got some that are actually not, I mean, too bad. Their Bleach Bypass one looks fairly good for a Bleach Bypass kind of look. Ooh, ooh, can we talk about that
0: for a second? Uh, Yeah. Because Bleach Bypass, look, the first time I've seen that, and everybody's probably gonna know what I'm talking about, but in Saving Private Ryan, was yeah. was that look? And everybody's, you know, if if you look at that movie, they they seem to remove the color, but the, there's it's not all removed. It's not a black and white movie. Right. It's a color look that is. Uh, it's not even to say desaturated, meaning. It, there's something about it. And it, right. actually now I'm figuring out what you were saying before. Like there are some things that are really hard to put words to. Right. right? But in saving private Ryan for anybody who uh, hasn't seen it, you know, it's a story about world war two and the, the opening, pretty much the opening scene is on D day and there, uh, the rest of the movie is done in, uh, in, in this um, uh, I think most of it's bleach bypass and that's just the way they process the film. It's just what they right. call it. But it, Desaturates the color. It 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 makes uh, it's a little bit high contrast. Uh, and it's like a
1: way cooler version of sepia.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> it's, but it's, it's a lot way. more harsh. It's a, a lot, lot more harsh. More, oh, it's yeah. a lot harsher than Yeah, and a sepia is a brown tone thing. This wasn't as brown tone, but there was a lot more warmth in it. Right. But the 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 harshness of it, it it's almost like being in a uh, overcast day um, right. with a little bit of sun. That's giving you some shadow and some right. color, but not a lot, right? Right. In fact, we had a day like this a couple of days ago. When I was looking at, it, I was like, "Wow, it looks like Saving Private Ryan or something like that." It just uh-huh. like it had that color feel, but right. that added to the feeling in the movie of just like bleak. Um, ho- I don't know horror. It made the it made the blood from the soldiers look even more right. Um, and
1: it it, ha- it has that effect of kind of looking like a memory.
0: Right, oh, to, right, like that's, oh, memory being excellent, excellent, excellent. I didn't mm-hmm. even think about that. Yeah. Because the movie is kind of a memory. It's the beginning, right. the guy's at the at the gravesite, and he's going back into time, and then he sees this. Thing. And the beginning of the movie is like regular color. It's not right. bleach bypass, at least as far as I remember, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, so it's normal, and then it goes into that thing. So actually switching colors in a movie is a great way to also subliminally, not maybe really subliminally, but, but you know, shift Time scales too. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't really do that in a photograph because you don't, again, we were talking about that. There's no before and after unless you're doing a series of pictures. But
1: have you uh, seen the Grand Budapest Hotel?
0: I have not yet.
1: So I would highly advise looking at that because they do, Wes Anderson does that in a very, very ridiculous way where the color palette in the 60s, he actually changes the aspect ratio in the movie. Oh, really? Uh, Depending on what time he's in. uh, When he's in the 60s, he is in like a real anamorphic widescreen look, but uh, the majority of the movie is set, I think in the thirties or something. And that's in four by
0: three, four by three. <laughs>
1: yeah. And it just, and the colors are totally different and everything. I mean, the, the colors in that movie are in my opinion, Wes Anderson's best really? use of color. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. Oh um, yeah. He does
1: that same thing about the switching time periods and just really Hitting you in the face with really bold color choices to distinguish them,
0: you know. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of bold colors, um, I wanted to. Uh, one of my favorite photographers uh, is a guy named David LaChapelle. Do you know his work? Hmm. Yes. He, this is. Um, if you get if you know me, right? And 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 you you said Antonio, what's one of your favorite photographers? And I said, you know Irving Penn. You know I just like Irving Penn. And and David LaChapelle, and like if you looked at their work, that like totally opposite on the right. scale. But there is something about David LaChapelle's photographing um, celebrities and just crazy stuff and and, uh, and musicians and stuff from the, I think the early '80s, and he's still photographing today. And if you look at his early work, you know you almost want to say that like there's Photoshop involved in every picture, and I think he was doing a lot of stuff pre-Photoshop. But his right. colors are over the top. They were just like, and I was always attracted to that. I'm, I'm attracted to bold colors. And I just love, right. I actually kind of like those over the top, you know, uh, staged uh, picture uh, scenarios where, especially with celebrities and stuff like that. Because, you know, they're just having so much fun. Uh, uh, right. And and uh, I actually, I'll put a, a few in the show notes. Hopefully I won't get in trouble for this. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Putting his pictures in the show notes. Um, but he just is over the top with color and it, it, the pictures are really almost about as much about the colors as they are about the people in the shots. Mm. And I think the, the over the top use of color is, is very energetic. Um, and very, uh, it's just very smart, usually in conjunction with the person who they're photographing. Uh, if it's a celebrity, it seems to work with their personality. And there's a lot of people in there who don't know you know, they're celebrities, but I don't know who they are. Right. Um, But they're just in these crazy situations. And like one of my favorite shots is a shot of Elton John and he's standing, he's in a room that's paint. It's totally painted blue, except on the bottom where there's like cherries and then these flying bananas. And he's standing (laughs) on a, on a leopard colored piano. And there's all these like sort of fake leopards or cheetahs (laughs) in it. Right. And, 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 he's wearing white right so the the you're you're drawn to the room and the colors and and the art the the yellow of the bananas and the reds of the cherries
1: yeah you've got pretty much every color in the spectrum
0: right and then he's there in white and he's got at least in the picture like a auburn hair or, or i don't know if it's red or something like that it's hard to tell in mm-hmm. um, the color things but um it is just like your eyes drawn to the, uh, my eyes drawn to that shot and and if it didn't have those colors it's just, it just it would not work right um, and that's an
1: image that can't be in black and white because it can't it just be. wouldn't make sense yeah it yeah. wouldn't
0: make sense and you know the use of primary colors or at least primary colors in in terms of uh, pigments right because we have different primary colors for light and we have different primary colors for pigments so things like paint but like you know red uh yellow and blue are the primary colors in this shot and and uh it's just again it's something over the top and i'm still trying to figure out what if there's any kind of deeper meaning and frankly i don't actually think there's a deeper meaning it's just it's like elton john having a great time right and a great picture in this in this really weird room um
1: a lot of those pictures are like that one of my uh I've seen some pictures of Frank Zappa, who I'm a real big fan of. Yeah. And, you know, he's taken some just insane pictures, you know, over the <laughs> over the years where the the colors are just completely obscene in the shot. Nothing matches, nothing going on. But it works because it's Frank Zappa standing there and you can just tell that he's doing his Frank Zappa thing. Right.
0: The and, picture, and the colors that you know? fit the personality too, right? right. I mean, it's right. like uh, you wouldn't see uh... – You know, not that she would do this, but you wouldn't see, like, Queen Elizabeth in a room full of, you know, multiple colors. Uh, I'm not saying cherries and bananas, but, I mean, she probably ought not to be in a room with all this other kind of things because it it would (laughs) remove from her personality. Right. Um, But then again, maybe sometimes it's good to, you know, one of the things that Irving Penn did, I I just finished his book, uh, which was uh, from uh, a show at the Met. It was like this whole, you know, um, bunch of essays about his work. And he would often put people in uncomfortable situations for mm. taking portraits. So uh, in his case, he was shooting black and white and he would put them in a corner. And, you know, the celebrities would be like, huh, what am I doing here in this corner? And he was like, shut up. I'm taking your picture. Oh, right. You know, and so this idea of putting, you know, somebody, not a clean Elizabeth, but, you know, somebody who may you may not associate with bright and bold colors or or even the opposite, taking someone who is Associated with bright and bold colors and putting them in a, you know, a lost in translation type of uh, situation. Right. And I probably ought to have found a person who did that because there are some photographers who do portraits who put people into those positions and people you wouldn't expect. Uh, so any, if anybody like who's listening to this knows who I'm talking about, just let, drop me a line because I, I know there's something out there like the opposite of David LaChapelle, hmm. you know, uh, and not depressing, but just, but like you would put. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you put Elton John into a room with with dark, somber colors, it may not fit, but it you know, it it can work. So,
1: I tend to really like uncomfortable art, just in general. I the weirder and more psychedelic it is, the more I usually like it. <laughs> so uh, you know, things that are that some people will look at and go like, Ugh, you know, I actually really like that kind of art. Like that's the stuff I'm drawn to. You know.
0: Well, there can be a real You know, when you think about putting these colors together, uh, not only for a language. Well, in addition, you can create a sort of electricity uh, with with colors. Right. Like I think about, you know, you know, you put a bright um, blue and a bright yellow together and how those two vibrate against each other and And you know so I when I think of psychedelic, I think of a mixtures of all sorts of colors right and right so right and and they don't necessarily like they live next to each other and maybe they're not meant to, but the fact that they're not meant to is what makes them exciting right right and so you're already coming into this situation with this excitement of uh colors and 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 just throwing a subject into that you're as long as it works you know but but it's it's fun to experiment with, you know sure um yeah, I mean, I remember looking at your website, and you had a lot of psychedelic stuff, right? On oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a lot of my personal style for my own movies and everything is to be pretty psychedelic and adventurous with uh, with stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, color really helps with that kind of stuff. And modern color technologies really help a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Making I mean, your life easier when it comes to editing.
0: Yeah. And, I, I, I again, also for me – I mean, I like second stuff, but it doesn't fit the work that I I like to do. And I'm, right. if I was to like look at my stuff, and I'm not thinking my street photography because that's kind of different. It's not really, I'm not shooting color as much, or I'm not really worried about color. But like when I'm doing my other stuff, I really really enjoy solid primary colors, like right. big colors, and and then maybe a little bit more old school. I mean, a photographer who I was uh, sort of grew up with while I was working in a photo agency was a guy named Pete Turner who. Passed away, I think, last year, um, and he—he's one of the sort of you know pioneers of what may be like pre-digital, but making stuff look digital. And i, I mean that in a way. Um, how do I mean that? I, actually, I don't know how I mean that. But if you look at his work, you can kind of get the idea. It's that—it's an that intangible thing that we were talking about before that you can't put words to. Right. But he often used really strong primary colors. Like a, a, a shot that I just love was this like garbage can. On a beach in front of an ocean, right? And the garbage can is one color, solid color. The beach is another color, and then there's the ocean and the sky, and and there's like basically four solid colors in that. And the simplicity of that, it, it, the the solid colors are are all there, and and the there's it's not. I don't think it's trying to hide any story or, or tell you how to feel, other than like this is a shot about color, you know? right, right. And and sometimes the photograph can just be about color. It's know? just kind of a study of color, a, you study, know, of a color. study
1: of whatever you're looking at. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think like, that's kind of what I'd like to like to aim for. In fact, I was just looking at my, where is it here? My Flickr site. Um, so I do put a lot of pictures up, but I it's like, where do I get a lot of color shots? And I was looking at the shots I did in Jamaica and Jamaica itself. If you just, you know, drive around there, there's a lot of primary colors in just the way people paint their places and, uh, the boats and and whatnot. And I was like, I wish I had like three weeks there because the, 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 the primary colors and the contrasting colors there, like I shot a, a sunset reflection in a window in a blue building. So the sunsets, you know, got the orange in it and the blue building. And it's just like, you know, boom! I didn't really have to work. I got contrasting, color uh, right. You know, right. Um, but it 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 really to me like like in Jamaica, it was like it was a lot of fun and the energy and the electricity just in the color. So you're right. It's interesting just to be like a a study of color. That's that's nice to think about that you could just go out and study color.
1: Right, right. And you know, everywhere everywhere has its own aesthetic. Like, just the way it looks. New York has a very specific aesthetic, right. which is very alien to me because I've never been to New York. You haven't? Like, when it, no, never. And whenever I see... I've never been on the East Coast, really. I've been to Florida. That's as the easiest place <laughs> I've ever been. I've been all over the West Coast, though, you know. So, But, like, L.A. has a very different aesthetic than New York does. And mm-hmm. that's actually played out a lot in movies with color. Whenever no, you see what, what... The, whenever... Like, whenever you see the LAPD, they've got the teal and orange thing going on, like hard. Really? You know, whenever they're on a show, oh yeah. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, you see the LAPD, they got the sun and the kind of California vibe, whatever. And then when you see the NYPD and a thing, it's always got that dark kind of fluorescent lighting, you know, blue oh, hues. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yes. And, so. And,
0: and what do you think that's saying? <laughs> well, sure. I don't.
1: You know, it. It's. It's weird. I mean, I guess New York is colder than California, so I mean, temperature-wise, that actually kind of makes sort of sense. But for some reason, that's just the colors that Hollywood has seemed to always use. Yeah. You know, but uh, like Arkansas has its own aesthetic. You know, and I've been to Oklahoma, and it has its own aesthetic. And I've been in the desert; it has its own aesthetic. You know, and every place has its own different type of uh, different landscape that changes the kind of composition of everything around it mm-hmm. in a sense so like why I, I look at your photography which I've looked at uh, quite a bit you know it just it looks like an alien landscape to me because New, New York it is, is, just, it is alien. New York New York is so much more different than Little Rock Arkansas like I can't even explain to you how different New York is yeah. than Little Rock. but like for me I can you know walk for 15 minutes and be in the woods. <laughs> you know, oh, from huh. where I for where I am. And uh, if you get in your car and drive, I mean, 30 minutes either direction, you're going to be in the wilderness.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, pretty much. And uh, but Arkansas has got a lot of green. I mean, it's mostly green. Everything is just really big, tall trees, pine trees and oak trees and stuff like that.
0: And uh, Do you think that where we spend our time is going to affect how we we color our imagery? Yeah, I just could see that. Just as you're saying that, I'm just thinking, I'm yeah. wondering about that. I mean, yeah. it sounds like it's yeah. an obvious thing, but.
1: I, I could see that. I mean, a lot of my uh, my personal photography, I'm big into nature stuff in general. Yeah. And uh, Arkansas is filled with nature and I've got nature in my backyard, you know, that I can go take pictures of. It's just really convenient here to take pictures of nature because it's everywhere.
0: Right. And, um, I guess it wouldn't make sense to like photograph your nature in with bleach bypass kind of look, right? Right? right. Even although it might be interesting, I don't know if it would work. But maybe it would. I don't know.
1: Right. If I if I had a model in the nature, I think it would be cool if I had a lot nature. of in the nature <laughs> had a lot of. It's a, that's an inside joke for everybody. Yes,
0: it's an inside. In saying. the nature. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, thank you for that. That was a good laugh. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, if we if we have like a model in the nature, mm-hmm. uh, she's going to she or he is going to uh that gives me more options for things to do with shop but if i'm actually out documenting nature i want it to look like i vision it like mm-hmm. i look you know so uh, we actually had a rain a couple years back it rained for like a week really? straight wow. and uh and uh, after after it rained oh yeah there was floods all sorts of stuff but after it rained and started to dry up i went outside and i was like wow look at this mushroom out here in the yard that's amazing and then i looked a little bit further and i was like Look at this totally different mushroom out here. That's crazy. And I started looking around, and there was just different types of mushrooms all over my house, like all around my house. Just wow. insane, insanely different types of mushrooms that I'd never even seen before. I was like, this is crazy. And I went out and started taking pictures of them, and I documented 46 different species of <laughs> mushrooms that were in my yard, in my front yard. Any
0: of them interesting species? <laughs> Uh, I don't, well, there was an Amanita
1: that was growing, actually, but I'm not going to eat it because it's in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't trust that. But, uh, yeah, no, there was an Amanita, like the red with the white speckles, you know. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, it was just like, yeah, there, I mean, so many different types growing. And I was like, this is insane that this many species of mushrooms just is in my yard. Like, I just spent all day taking pictures of my yard, like, really close-up shots.
0: <laughs> Did you shoot them in color or black and white? Yeah, color, color. color, yeah.
1: Because yeah. Yeah. Some, I mean, some of them were just really bright orange, and some of them were really, like, dark, earthy browns with, like, red mm-hmm. kind of coming out of them. And uh, then that Amanita was just beautiful. I mean, it was giant, you know, red speckled mushroom. I was like, this is the stereotypical Mario mushroom. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
0: That seems actually like a really good project actually to <clears throat> to do that.
1: But I, I was just so happy that it my, my yard was just filled with all this stuff and I was like, I don't have to go anywhere. You know. <laughs> just stand up here and take pictures all day and have
0: plenty of stuff to shoot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Let me go back for a second and I think oh we're wow. See I told you an hour would go by really fast.
1: It, it just flies, flies by man. For me, yeah,
0: it is. Yeah. Um do you think, and this is probably pretty obvious, but uh, maybe I can get if there's another twist on it, watching films and how they're colored will affect. Can can you take that and apply it to photography? Do you think there is a there is a crossover? Oh, yeah. yeah, so there's like, a
1: big crossover.
0: You can like you know, I mean, and you know, like you're saying, we have these LUTs that we can buy, like the Matrix LUT and the Wes Anderson LUT and whatnot, uh, to you know thinking let's let let's see if you want to do it yourself, right? right? What can you learn from a from the coloring of film that you could apply to photography? like what do you think would mm-hmm. what, what can you learn? because <clears throat> there's so much in film, right but there's you need to compress it to a photograph, you know, to right
1: like you're still a telling form. a story.
0: You are telling a story it, with one frame, right, right. And you know this sort of maybe goes back a little bit to what it was talking about that landscape picture about the cinematic landscape, right? Um, but what what can you take away from films, at least in terms of color? We'll, well, at some point let's talk about films and other aspects of it. You know, but today we'll talk about the color and the language of a film. What can we take take away with that with our stills? What do you think? Mm.
1: Yeah, that's, right. <laughs> that's, a, that's an interesting question because I, I'm a lot. I approach great. Uh, and you do I, both, grade. right? Sorry, I do both. Yeah, I yeah. I approach grading my photography way different than I do video, but I'm still doing the same thing. I'm trying to tell the story and with you know with the color. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the I make much bolder decisions with photography. Because, oh, really? because because you only have that one frame to make the ah to make, make the thing happen, you know, that you want to convey the message. So uh, I'm usually a lot more bold and risky with my photo editing than That's I am. That's interesting
0: because it's almost maybe the opposite and maybe I'm right or wrong on this, maybe I'm wrong with this, but it's the opposite of like what I'm looking in that article. Because in that article, the guy doing the landscape, he's he looks like he's making a more subtle image. It's a mm. landscape shot, and it looks, you know, he's not going over the top with the colors. It is a very, it's more of a muted style, right? And I mean, that's fine. I'm not saying there's something wrong with uh, anything, but um, it's interesting that you're saying that to make your to make a statement, you're going to go a little bit more. And yeah, and I, I might. Go... I think I might lend myself to what you're saying too, because as as I'm starting to think of my my, my still pictures. Um, especially my color ones, I tend to go a little bit more bolder color, right? You know, so, you know,
1: if, if you edit a movie that bold, as bold as I do with like photography, for instance, it would look really fake and just really not, Uh it would lose the realism. Whereas with a still image, you can enhance an image and keep the realism uh-huh. to the shot. Right. Even by making the colors just really spectacular or really subtle, whatever you're trying yeah. to do with it, you know, but I always, I always go oh. more into a still image than I do a video
0: image. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I might do the same thing And again, nothing wrong with subtle still pictures either. I mean, oh yeah. I we're saying anything different, but, but what we, you and me would do differently. I, I agree. There's, there's that one frame, um, that at least for me, and especially when I'm shooting something that's got color in it, like I really want to, you know, like you said, study the color a little bit too. Uh, maybe I might be doing more of that in my pictures generally is the study of color. Cause I just love looking at things that are colorful. Like, yeah, uh, you know, and I may not be trying to tell like my, with my work, I may not be trying to tell some sort of subtle story with the color. Although I've done that. I do do that on, on some of my shots, but actually this morning, um, I woke up and now it's starting to get to the point where I'm waking up in the morning and I can actually see the sunrise or at least the sun has risen. It's close to the sunrise. And I looked out the window and today it was a ball. Uh, and I was like, I could actually shoot the ball without even you know worrying about my sensor getting too fried because it was behind right. the clouds a little bit. Right. Right. And, you know, when I got the, when I looked at the frame in the back of the camera and I was like, eh, it doesn't quite look like the way I felt. And, and I processed it and I gave it a little bit more orange and I, I right. Highlighted the clouds a little bit, and it was like, yeah, that's kind of what I saw. You know, it's like, right, that was the you know, and so I, I really uh, gave a boost to the color because it's the boost is you know w- what I, I'm trying to say with yeah. it.
1: So uh, I've I've heard some people complain about you know photo manipulation and photo editing. You know, just in general, they're like, oh, it needs to look a good photographer. It only takes a good picture. You know, right out of the camera, and it's like, no, 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 no. It's like it's up to the artist to decide we have two lenses essentially called eyeballs Uh and they work very differently than one singular camera lens does. And we absorb so much more information than our little 35 millimeter sensor is going to absorb, you know? So when we say that we are editing a picture to look like we saw it, we actually mean that we're actually making the picture look like we remembered seeing it, you know, not how the camera sees it. It's how we see it.
0: Right. And so when someone says, when someone looks at the picture, you can confidently say, that's what my brain saw. That's the whole, that's the whole story that was in front of me.
1: Right. And sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we want to make something manipulated and crazy. But, you know, like if I took a picture of a sunset and it comes out really flat looking, it's like the sunset wasn't flat. It was spectacular and amazing. (laughs) So I'm going to make it spectacular and amazing. Exactly. (laughs) Or
0: or maybe even psychedelic.
1: Right. Or even psychedelic.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, um, I I I want to talk to you for another hour, but uh, <laughs> let's 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 put it into part three. And okay, yeah, we uh, can do I, that. I'll, I'll try not to wait six months. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you <want>. that's fine. <laughs> because you're literally, I want to say you're right around the corner, but I, like you're right in front of me on my computer, and I can press a button and find out if you want to be on the show. But uh, oh yeah, hey, Reed, this was great. This is such yeah, a totally. yeah. This is you know I, I'm gonna make this our like a regular thing. I want to talk about movies and color and stuff with you like this and because uh, this is just I'm having a good time. So right.
1: You had a question uh, written on the questions from listeners. Right. To oh, I wanted thank, to you, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yes, sure. I wanted.
0: To, there's two things. Okay. Uh, well, actually, let's just go into one because I think the other one doesn't quite fit. But uh, from my friend Mark Ryerson. He, he asked, uh, uh, where are there some good vetted – he said vetted, which means we we look through them. He goes, where are there some good resources to learn the basics of color grading? So,
1: Vetted um, is actually an important word in that, yes. in that uh, thing yeah, yeah. because there's plenty of places where people are telling you that they know what they're doing. But finding a place that knows what they're doing is important. Uh, so I have a few places. Um, if you're into spending money, Linda is a great – Way to learn how to do stuff, Linda. Oh, really? I think link, hey. I think LinkedIn Learnings actually bought Linda or vice versa. I can't remember. I well, think a,
0: lo- a lot of places with Linda you can get a uh, free subscription through your local library. So right,
1: right, and Linda I know has some really good courses by some like super top colorists. All right, I'm
0: gonna check those uh, out because I didn't know that.
1: And uh, they've got them for everything from Adobe Speed Grade to Final Cut to Da Vinci. I mean everything. Uh-huh. Um, but for me the one of the places I like to keep up with is a place called Color Grading Central. Okay. Uh, it's run by Denver Riddle, who is a colorist, and uh, their stuff's really, really good quality uh, learning materials. Um, but another good place to look if you're doing things on a budget is YouTube. YouTube has a lot of people that are really skilled that are putting out, like, tons of tutorials just,
0: just who are, all would be time. some of the vetted ones that you would, uh, um, this way you're not searching around for two. Let's minutes.
1: see here, I think I actually have some pulled up. Okay, so there's a uh YouTube user named Casey Ferris
0: uh-huh.
1: who has some really nice, uh, really nice tutorials. Um, let's see who else. There's DaVinci Resolve 15 just dropped, uh, a oh, couple right, days you said so. that, yeah, 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 and that was uh, I was big into beta testing it before and now that it's out some things are different so a lot of people are starting to make DaVinci resolve 15 tutorials including stuff on how to use fusion which is a very mind mind bending oh <laughs> really yeah oh yeah it's it's amazing i mean it's oh. gonna revolutionize lots of things people okay. that use DaVinci are in really hyped up about it <clears throat>
0: <laughs> like a pig yeah. in the mud right
1: oh yeah yeah <laughs> but uh Meisner Media, too. M I E S N E R Media is another uh, site that has a lot of cool tutorials on uh, DaVinci Resolve. They've got, he's got, I think he's got a video that's like 45 minutes long. It's just a crash course, learn how to use DaVinci Resolve, and then showing you how to do color grading stuff, too, on top of that. So it not only shows you how to use the software, but it's also
0: giving you some. Yeah. insight into some grading techniques. Send me the links. I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you: Is on top of that, would there be um, someone who would uh, teach a little bit about the theory of color grading?
1: Uh, I think Color Grading Central is a good bet. For is that. it
0: okay? okay.
1: yeah, because yeah, they there's there's technical videos to check out, and then there's actual like how to achieve certain looks okay. videos. It, you know,
0: I mean, and maybe I'm going on a Sorry, but in order, I'm going on a limb here and saying that I would think that's a good thing to watch if you want to then apply it to your still photography too because if, yeah. some of the basics of like why you would want to, like you've got this blank canvas of a photograph in a sense and like why, like instead of just throwing an, an Instagram filter or dropping a LUT onto your picture, why do you want to do this? And if you can get some of that from, I think, uh you're saying color grading central like the theory of it why you want to do this i think that would help you then understand how you would want to process your own imagery to try to tell your story so right okay so so color grading central would be a good place to to scope that yeah it's a good
1: place to start and you're you're gonna uh they've got a lot of free stuff on their website but you gotta pay for you know some of the more yeah, detailed sure. stuff, yeah. uh, as most of those do. But uh, YouTube really can be your friend. Um, I know a lot of it's not vetted, but if you can tell a video if it's got really good production value or not, yeah. And most of the time, for technical stuff like how to use softwares and how to do things like color grading, people aren't just making you know BS videos for that kind of stuff. They're making pretty real deal you know videos. I yeah. think so. Uh, I've watched a lot. Of YouTube videos in my day of just learning how to do new things or new tricks or right. achieving new looks and stuff. So,
0: well, send me a couple. And well, I guess once you get the links on YouTube, they usually lead to other ones on there. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That can work out. So, yeah. Yeah. a lot those. of these
1: people have just tons of videos about it, right. you know. So it's it like, you know, in and in. yeah, I know. It's like I'll some, some of these guys produce 45, 45 minute videos every day. I was like, it's like,
0: okay, <laughs> you know, fine. <laughs> Thanks, thanks for doing it. You know, so I'm happy uh, yeah. to listen to your videos. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, I, you know, that's where I think, um, uh, you know, I, I, if I could stop mumbling here, excuse me. <laughs> um, the idea of learning why you would want to do something instead of just doing it. So, like, why do you want to Why do you want to process your pictures to make them look a certain way? Why do you want to process your video to make it look a certain way? it's good to hear why other people are doing it and right. what what's coming from it. And you're not, I always tell people just don't turn your picture into black and white because it looks cool or it looks like a street photograph because it's not a reason to do so. So right. spend some energy uh, understanding why things have been done before, why people are doing that. And it doesn't mean you have to follow the rules and stuff like that, but it's good to know why, you know, why would it, why would you want to make an image look cinematic? And why would you want to use this color palette? And why would you want to use this? And, how does that add to your, you know, um, palette of, of stuff to express yourself with? So
1: Right. And a good way to learn, too, is like if you have a look that you really like, like, say, a scene out of a movie or just a photograph that you really like, have that photograph side by side with whatever project you're working on. Actually try to match the colors oh, that yeah. not only that not only teaches you how to use the software better, whatever software you're using, but it also teaches you you start seeing the patterns and the theory behind why you like whatever that scene is or whatever that yeah. photograph is. You know, you're actually taking the time to dissect it and figure out what makes it special. And by doing that, you just learned how to create that look.
0: That's cool. That's a good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So everybody, you hear what Reed's saying? Go do that. Experiment. <laughs> that's, that's your homework. Experimenting, yeah. homework. All right, thanks for thanks for reminding me about that question. I almost forgot. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah, but my other question from my friend Mac, I think we'll put off to another time, because uh, I'm looking at the time—we're an hour twenty minutes—and we didn't even get into printing and stuff like that. We'll, we'll <laughs> cover that at another time. But
1: uh, we need uh, just a technical episode so we can talk about all the cool tech oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Well, you know, technical—we're in a technical business, and I hate to say business—we're in a technical art that requires. You know, us to know machines and devices, and we can't separate ourselves from that, I mean you know right um, th- there's just no way, you know uh, right and and I'm sure you know people who are painters talk about the type of brushes they use and the paints and stuff like that. oh yeah, everybody geeks sure. out a little bit on this stuff because for sure, for sure that's part of the fun, I think right, yeah, so anyway i I think I want to wrap now, but Reed, thank you so much, absolutely, oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah no this so, is totally fun
0: it's so generous of you to, to to join me on the show so hey how can people uh how can people find you if they're looking for you
1: if they're looking for me they can go to productions.com. that would be my website um and i'm on facebook too at facebook.com productions. um yeah i'm around basically those two places i'm not uh I'm a little old school. I don't have all these like Instagrams and Tumblrs and <laughs> all that good, kind of good. Stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I got a good old fashioned website and a good old fashioned Facebook page. Oh, and excellent. I my, uh, excellent. My thing. But yeah.
0: And everybody, you got to listen to the first episode to find out where he got that name Palm Tree Shoes Productions.
1: Oh, yeah. So, I'm wearing them right now, actually. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, thanks again, man. All yeah, right? sure. Yeah. And uh, if you guys want to find out more about uh, Switch to Manual, go to switchtomanual.com. Uh, the website is uh, a moving host at the moment, and uh, hopefully i will be up in a new host. But if you see the page is down, just come back. It'll be up at some point. Uh, I'm trying to get rid of old junk and start some new junk. <laughs> so uh, so go to switchtomanual.com uh instagram is at the uh, switch the number two manual uh just like twitter which is at switch the number two manual so uh, i spent a lot of time on twitter mm, instagram mm, yeah, a little bit you know we, 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 i've talked on the show about instagram before i'm not gonna talk about it no if you want follow my cat opie <laughs> opie kitten <laughs> on instagram uh so i'm pushing him so anyway uh Oh, we all. I also have a Facebook, uh, switch to manual page. So join us on Facebook. Join us. I'm still saying us. I can't get Tom out of my, he's my partner, my silent partner. So please excuse me. I'm not going to get that, those words. And, uh, what else? Um, if, if you're getting, uh, the, the podcast on iTunes, if you can leave us a, uh, you know, a review and some star ratings. I would love that and better yet tell your friends about the show. I want to get more people listening. I love sharing information and finding out great people to talk to like Reed, uh, to come on the show and, and and just talk about what they know. And so I think sharing that with more people would be great. So please tell your friends who are into photography and video, check us out and, and, and join us and, and subscribe, but give us reviews if you want. And you know, if you're feeling real generous, you can throw us some, uh, Throw me some chump change to help pay for the uh the service that we're doing here. So uh got tip cups everywhere. So thank you. Uh and oh the last thing is, you know, portfolio reviews another way for us to uh pay the bills is you guys uh send your pictures in and I give you some professional uh reviews and feedback about your shots. So check that out on our uh So other than that, hey Reed, it was great having you. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, and uh uh, what else I think that's it it's it's a it's we'll come back at the uh, end of uh, August and it'll be the beginning of September oh no it's the end of the summer it's not yet we still have, <laughs> we still have you know and it could be a nice you know summer. we can pretend there's
1: still some left
0: we can pretend it's gonna be nice right and at least I don't have to go back to school so yeah there you go <laughs> So anyway thanks Reed for coming again Sure. And I'm going to say uh, see you later. And uh, for Tom, adios.